A storied CFL franchise. Riley, he's going to keep it. He gets the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. With a loyal and passionate following. We finally can say we're champions. Bring it back to the seat of champions. This is the show that brings you the stories and personalities of the green and gold. Yeah. (laughs) 6.30 chance. This is the Eskimo Show. Now your host, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad. Riley drops back into his end zone about five yards. Now he unleashes downfield, and that is complete. Oh, big gainer. Look at Darrell Walker go down the field. He's at the 20. 10, 5, touchdown, Eskimos. What a way to start the game. The Eskimos score first on a bomb. Riley to Darrell Walker. Perfect throw from Mike Riley. 104 yards for the touchdown. Darrell Walker has touchdowns in four straight games. There's Mitchell dropping back now in second and long, and he goes long, but Dion Lacey's on the other end of it. Intercepted by the Eskimos. Lacey's got the football. He's finally wrestled down at about the 41 yard line. Another interception for the Eskimos defense. That's seven in the last six games now. Walker and Kuhorn split wide. Everybody else in motion except for John White, who will block for Mike Riley as he drops back and throws towards the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos! Darius Bowman hauls that one in. It's now a two-score game. 26 yards to the end zone for the Eskimos. Here's Mitchell dropping back on first down. He's going deep to the end zone, up into the air, and... Touchdown, Calgary. What a catch. Demarius Daniels goes up and grabs it with Kenny Ladder all over him. And it's a touchdown. Play action. Going to the end zone now. That'll be an easy one. Touchdown uh, for the Stampeders as uh, Daniels gets wide open in the back of the Eskimos end zone. And we're one convert away from a tied football game. 52 is his longest this year. 53 is the longest of his career. Sean White's had... Rob, I think three or four walk-offs already, including an overtime one. Maybe this is his thing, Morley. From the 52, Sean White to win it for the Eskimos. Ball is down, kick is up, and... Short. It's going to be short. Mitchell takes a snap and drops back, looking to the end zone, up in the air, and... Touchdown. Kari Grant with the reception in the end zone. Stan Peters will now go for two and put the heat on the Eskimos. Motion starts. Roddy calls for the ball. There it is. He's going to throw. Pumps once. He's got some trouble. He throws. Incomplete. Ball game's over. Stan Peters win it. Calgary Stan Peters come all the way back to win a very hard-fought football game. In overtime. 34-28, the final score. Stampeders over the Eskimos. Wasn't good enough. Yeah. Lost. I mean, that's that's how I'd sum it up. You know, they get two points in the standings, we don't, and that's really all there is to it. Um, we, you know, we got Saskatchewan coming up, and it's going to be 100% on them, preparation for that. You play that game like it's the Grey Cup, and then after it's done, you play the next one the same way.
Oh, it started so promising, didn't it, on Saturday? Good evening, everybody. There's some thoughts from Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley postgame on Saturday. The Eskimos lose 34-28 in overtime on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium to the Calgary Stampeders. What a great start it was. 17-3, the Eskimos led at the half. But they lost something. Maybe Calgary found something. That all happened at halftime because the Stamps came back, tied it in the second half, and then won it in overtime. The Eskimos now 5-6 and six and currently not in a playoff spot. Not in the West, four points back of Winnipeg, and not in the East for the crossover. Toronto's win over Hamilton puts them at 5-6 and six as well. And, of course, the East team gets the tiebreaker in the crossover. The game on November 5th, last game of the year. Toronto is here. It might be for a playoff spot. Lots to sort out, though, between now and then. Next up, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in Regina. That's on Sunday, 2.30 for the kickoff, 1 o'clock for the pregame show here on 6.30. Chad, and joining us on Sunday on the pregame show, and joining us now will be our football analyst, Blake Dermott. Uh, hey, Blake, how are you? I'm good, Morley. Well, how do you make, uh, how, do you, how do you figure out what happened over the last two weeks? The Eskimos with a three-game win streak head to Calgary for the Labor Day game. Six days later, they've lost two straight and are kind of reeling a little bit now. What's your take on what's happened over the last week? Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, I, w- I would guess that they are, uh, you know, we saw that. We listened to, listened to Mike Riley after the game, and that was a... Um, that was as defeated a sounding Mike Riley as I'd ever been defeated. He he had sort of an edge to him. He was, you know, and I, I think internally he was upset, um, um, but he just didn't sound like we've heard Mike Riley talk after losses, and we've heard Mike Riley talk after wins that should have been losses, and and that was a different sounding uh, a different sound in his voice. I just think that the uh, you know there was an awful lot of pressure put on by this club and uh and of course so by calgary uh to to be successful in this uh uh the labor day matchup and then the rematch and uh, when you put that much emphasis especially on a team that is chasing which the eskimos were um and you put that much emphasis on on this these two games and then you come up empty-handed and you know the first game they didn't play very well they didn't play very well in any facet of the game they didn't deserve to win that game but this last one that one's going to be a, a tough one, to, a tough pill to swallow, and that's going to be difficult for them, for those guys, to uh, take a little time to get that taste out of their mouth after this win. Between after games, loss, between games, Jason Moss said, "If we had played well and lost by 21 points, I'd be devastated." Uh, that's fine. They did play pretty well and still lost, at, albeit everybody's lost to Calgary, right? Uh, yeah. You, you can't you can't get on them too much for losing to Calgary because everybody has. But what do you take out of the fact that they played better, much better, but still lost? Yeah, that's that's why I'm saying I, I think that 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 makes this one really really hard to take. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that uh, Jason Moss would be devastated because as a coach or as players, you can always look at those. Uh, uh, Look at the game and, and pick up, you know, handfuls of, of plays that you didn't play very well in, and and that was the one thing that uh, that Mike Riley said after the game. He said, you know, we that we just didn't do enough. We didn't that we we left a lot on the table. We you know, and they did uh, the uh, the missed or the missed opportunity for a field goal in the first half definitely was a, an opportunity. Missed field goal by a guy who hits those things with pretty much regularity. Uh, you know, he talked about the walk-offs that he's had and. And the success he's had in game-winning situations, and and there was six points uh, that they they left out on the table. Plus, 
you know, the opportunities that they had to go for field goals were the 16-yarders that they, they, they just couldn't punch it in. You know, so the Eskimos can definitely play better. Uh, and uh, they did leave a lot on the table. But, you know, when, you, when you're running out of games and, and everybody else around you is playing really well, that just adds to the pressure. And uh, it's really going to be, a, a, you know, an interesting last seven games of the season here to be able to determine if this team still has enough character to be able to bounce back and get into the playoffs and at least, you know, make a statement and make, a, make some noise in the playoffs. The uh, offense, as you mentioned, uh, settled for field goals a couple of times. Uh, they also, in the last few games, have had some turnovers in the red zone. Going back a few games, they've had some turnovers in the a lot of turnovers in the red zone. Far too many, I'm sure, for everybody's liking. I still think the offense will get enough points to win on most nights. I, I think everyone's concern is is with the defense that uh, had a 17-3 lead and and couldn't hold it. And to my for my liking, doesn't seem to be able to come out at halftime and match what's happened on the other side of the field. Yeah, I, I think that the adjustments that were made in, uh, by Calgary at halftime uh, far exceeded whatever kind of adjustments were made by the Eskimos defensively. So, so I mean, you know Calgary's going to come out and do something. They're, gonna, they're, they're not going to be a team, and they haven't been a team for the last number of years. It's just going to roll over and die on you. They're going to be a team that's going to continue to fight. But uh, they, certainly the uh, intensity or, uh, of uh, the Stampeders on offense uh, wasn't matched by the Eskimos defense. The other thing, too, is that you know, when the defense needs the team, the, the offense, to get a few first downs, to get some, you know, to score up some points. And in the third quarter, I think Calgary had scored the Eskimos 10 to 3. After, you know, Edmonton mm-hmm. being 17 to 3 at the half, they, they Calgary got the momentum. Calgary kept that defense on the field. And, and uh, they, started to, they started to, maybe the Eskimos were able to still move the ball, but they weren't able to get any points. And, and that's when the Calgary picked it up. Their defense picked it up again, and, as well as their offense. And, and I just think overall, they just wasn't matched by the Eskimos in that second half. And, and that, that's troubling. You know, when, you know, a month and a half ago, Jason Moss sat there and said that when we're getting a lead, we're going to be able to handle it differently. And, and uh, they did one other time uh, where, now this wasn't the big type of lead they had over Hamilton, but, but nonetheless, this is a team that has had trouble playing with the lead um, mm-hmm. in, in this season. And, and again, that's not something that really good or championship teams uh, uh, have a, a problem with. Yeah, you think about it, the, both games against Saskatchewan, uh, I think the game with Ottawa, they had a lead for a while, the first one, the home game, yeah. uh, the Hamilton game, of course, uh, this Calgary game. You're right, playing with the lead seems to be almost, getting the lead seems to be the worst thing for this Eskimo team right now. You know, we talked about how they, uh, the biggest thing they got to do is get a quick start. Well, it seems like when they don't have the quick start, they seem to do okay. <laughs> but yeah. but when they have played well and come out like they did, you know, very first offensive play, 104 yards for a touchdown, you cannot come out with a quicker start than that. And uh, for some reason, they I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the they get comfortable with the lead. They're way too comfortable than they need to be or they, they should be, but they, they just figure that, okay, well, I, I can't put words in their mouth or thoughts in their head, but it seems as if that they just think, okay, my job's done. The other guys will be able to carry this thing through, and and if if enough guys think that way, nobody's carrying anything. And next thing you know, you're you're behind in games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Toronto win yesterday uh, over Hamilton puts the Eskimos out of uh, the crossover spot, so they're in fourth in the West out of the playoffs. Now they don't have the crossover spot, and they're heading to Saskatchewan. For I I don't want to say this game worries me; it concerns me though, because uh, you know we've talked about this a lot in the pregame show. Uh, the last little while when we were talking about Saskatchewan, they're just plain and simple, do to win. They're not going to go 1-17, and 17, right? You wouldn't yeah. think, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I don't 
I don't see that either. But but I also believe that uh, that with this is this is the danger that the Eskimos could face if they have uh, if they can't get themselves out of this funk because I really believe that they're they're still a good football team in that locker room. Um, but and you've started to see this over the last few weeks when you're four and four, when you're five and five, when you're five and six, bodies start to show up in your locker room. Yeah. And uh, there's there's a disruption in your locker room. There's there's this you know this this um, I don't know what it is. It's, there's this lack of familiarity. There's guys coming in. There's people on edge. There's it's just different. I've been through both both types of locker rooms where you've you've had the comfortable and you've had the good team concept and and experience, and, and then you're looking over your shoulder every day. And that is something that the Eskimos haven't seen for two or three years. So that's that's what Saskatchewan's going through right now. And that uneasiness doesn't. Uh, bode well for cohesiveness on a, on a team and that's why when I look at Saskatchewan and I look at where the Eskimos are the Eskimos are a game or two away or a loss or two away from being in that situation so I I think that the Eskimos uh, they, they don't seem to follow up a bad turn of events and bad loss with another bad loss uh, they haven't done that for what five games now and I I mean even this this two this two game set against Calgary they played really poorly but they played pretty well the second time they came out they were playing a good team though I mean this is the best team in the league and they took them to overtime so I, I really think that the Eskimos will be able to figure this out against Saskatchewan but they can't afford to have too many more games like this and I don't believe this is a team that's going to go on a 9-0 run like they did last year right? or you know they're, they're just not going to be able to do that because if they did, if they went on seven and zero, I mean they'd be 12, they'd end up with twelve wins, and that'd be a pretty successful season by by anybody's standards. But I I think Edmonton's got at least a couple more losses in their in their tank uh, as this, as the season goes on, which puts them at best maybe at about ten wins, eleven wins, and uh, so. This is a team that's going to have to scrap and scrape to get into the playoffs. And uh, they got some tough games coming up, starting with Saskatchewan Sunday. Then it's it's home to BC. Then it's in Winnipeg to play the Red Hot Blue Bombers. Uh, throw in the Alouettes, but then it's uh, it's it's the BC Lions again. So it's a tough schedule coming up. And uh, the best thing that cures everything right now is wins. But it's not going to be easy to get those. Yeah, when when uh, you know they've uh, the other thing too that we we talk about is their uh, this upcoming schedule it has includes five games or four games or six weeks of them not being here in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, or is it five weeks is what it is. From the yeah, four games, September. five weeks, yeah. Yeah, so it's a while that they're going to be away. And uh, right when you need to have the familiarity of uh, home field and fan friendly and all that kind of stuff, and you got to go and try to win the lion's share of the remainder of your games on the road is, is not the greatest schedule to, to, for the Eskimos to look after. But, you know, it's like Mike Riley has always said and like coaches always say, it is the next game that you got to worry about, and not two games down the road. And that's where their focus really has to be. The focus has to be on Saskatchewan, and not one second past that game. And it, you know, and they've got to be able to play well and and do what they need to do, and then move on to the next one. And you just have to keep taking them one game at a time. I, as I said, I still think this is a team that's good enough in that locker room, but they've dug them, put themselves into a pretty deep hole that they've got to dig themselves out of. Yep, next game's the biggest game of the year for sure. Mike Riley said on our post game, we got to play like it's the Great Cup. Uh, I think it was Chris Getzlaff said we got to play every game like it's a playoff game. So the heat is on for sure. Blake, thanks for your time tonight. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you later in the week. Okay, Morley, thanks a lot. All right, that is uh, Blake Dermott, our uh, football analyst, uh, giving uh, his thoughts on what's going on with the Eskimos right now. Big news in the CFL yesterday: a mid-season trade with some big names involved. Doesn't happen a lot. We're going to head to Toronto and uh, talk about the Argos with Chris O'Leary when we return. It's eight twenty. Two, you're listening to the Eskimo Show on 6:30. Chet. 
This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630-10. Still to come tonight on the Eskimo Show, we'll uh, check in with Brandon Thompson, Eskimo's defensive back. That's after the news at 8.30 with Randy Kilburn. And then we'll hear from Eskimo legend Dave Cutler. We'll get some of his thoughts on what he knows as Taylor Field. Mosaic Stadium, of course, closing this year. Eskimos making their final trip there this coming weekend. Right now, though, let's go to Toronto and welcome in a friend of the program. Uh, Chris O'Leary of the Toronto Star joins us to talk a little bit about the trade the Argos were involved with yesterday. Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, TJ Heath, a first-rounder and a third-rounder to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for Drew Willie, a guy who's been holding the clipboard for the last month and a half. On the surface, it looks like the Argos really gave up a lot to get Willie. Uh, yeah, I think it's beyond the surface. Right? I, think, I think you're kind of spot on. Uh, you know, they, they give up uh, a guy, and TJ Heath, to me, is their best defensive back this season. He had uh, two interceptions in the game yesterday. He, uh, I think that moved him into a tie for the league lead. And, uh, you know, he was uh, obviously feeling pretty good until he got off the field and found out he was traded. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> a, real, a real strange situation. I want to get to that in a minute. But first, when you, when you look at the game yesterday, mm-hmm. Heath has a great game defensively, a couple of interceptions. Uh, Dan Lefevre comes in in replacing uh, Ricky Ray and has a great game. And mm-hmm. while the game's going on, they basically trade Heath and bring in what could be Lefevre's, uh replacement in the next few weeks in Drew Willie. Weird, weird situation. It's really weird. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a game before where two of your best players, uh, you know, are directly impacted by a trade immediately after the game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you feel bad for Dan Lefevre. I mean, he's he been out of the CFL for a couple of years. I think he had an NFL look in, in the offseason that was very brief. And then, uh, you know, just signs with the, the, the Argos. He's on the practice roster for, uh, I think, just over a, little, a couple of days over a month. And, uh, you know, ended up getting the start, had very little time to prep just as the one week, and came in and, and had a really good game. He kind of fought through a couple of interceptions in the first half and, and still turned it around and, you know, uh, got them a win that they, I thought they desperately needed, right? That was to, to keep them from moving five in a row. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a classic, maybe just football thing, not just the CFL, but it's such a thankless sport where you can do that and then turn around and, you know, your, your job is kind of in jeopardy the, the next second. Absolutely. It's a, it's a weird situation. Now, speaking of weird situations, you kind of walked in or were allowed to walk into uh, TJ Heath telling his teammates he was traded. Yeah, I uh, had just finished all my other interviews and uh, was walking out of the room, just kind of taking my time. I was probably checking my phone or something, and then uh, I, could, I could hear TJ Heath saying that he'd been traded, and I was kind of I was like everyone else in the room. I think everyone thought he was joking at first, and uh you know, he just he kept insisting, no, no, I've been traded, I was traded. And, uh, you know, I, I think the music kind of stopped and his teammates started to, you know, they started to realize he wasn't joking. And they uh, they, they said, well, where'd you, where were you traded? And he yelled out, Winnipeg. And then they said, who are you traded for? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, and I think it was at that point that the Argos PR staff realized I was still in there. And they said, like, you know, Chris, you you got to get out of here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I had never seen that before. And, uh, you know, it was super helpful to me. I think I wrote the first half of my story last night. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a bizarre situation, and just so so strange. I don't, I don't, I, don't, I can't think of a time I've ever seen such an immediate swing where a guy had such a big impact on a game got such a bad, drastic news. You know, the second he stepped off the field. Be interesting to see if he's one of the performers of the week when it comes out tomorrow, because there'll be some yeah. spl- there'll be some splaining to do if that happens. <laughs> well, I, I think if if there's that, and I think if you're a fantasy football player, I think 
TJ Heath, as long as he plays this week, that's, that's one guy that you want on your fantasy team. If, you, if he wasn't motivated before, I mean, was, I, I would expect him. You could see a career game from TJ Heath uh, this weekend against the Argos. Absolutely, uh, the Argos in Winnipeg to play the Blue Bombers. What are the in your in your view? What are first the immediate plans for Drew Willie, then the long term plans for Drew Willie? Uh, well, they confirmed today. They said that Daniel Fever will start on Saturday in uh, in Winnipeg. But uh, I mean, I think beyond that, you know. I, I think the door's going to be open for Drew Willie to come in and, and take this job. And, you know, as long as Ricky Ray is hurt, and then maybe even longer. You know, I think they had said even at the time when they had announced Ricky's injury, which was just a week ago, that, um, you know, they were going to have to see where everything was, where they were in the standings, uh, you know, how the, the guy filling in for Ricky was doing when uh, when he came back. So, I mean, there, there is a huge opportunity there for Drew Willie, or, you know, if it's not Drew Willie, it's Dan LaFever or whoever else they, they want to put in there. there there's something there if, uh, if they can – put some good play together at quarterback. Uh, you know, I, I think if things are going well for the Argos, especially when it gets that late in the season, they're, they're going to kind of have to stick with what's hot. Job is open for sure. Ricky Ray's out long term, so someone's got to be the quarterback in Toronto. We'll talk with defensive back Brandon Thompson, plus Eskimos legend kicker Dave Cutter. All that in the back half of the Eskimo show tonight. My name is Morley Scott. It's 829. We'll head to the newsroom and be back with more after this. You're listening to the Eskimo show on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Coming up this half hour, we'll hear from Dave Cutler with some mosaic memories. But right now, let's bring in Eskimos defensive back, Brandon Thompson. Hey, Brandon, how you doing? Good, man, good. Uh, uh, good can't good, complain at all. Good stuff. Uh, you got your first taste of uh, the Battle of Alberta and the Labor Day Classic Series between the Eskimos and the Stampeders. Uh, take the scores out of it because obviously that's very disappointing. Tell me how you enjoyed the, the rivalry, the lead-up to it, and everything that surrounds the Labor Day games. Absolutely. Uh, it was my first Labor Day game of any kind. And, uh, I mean, you could definitely feel the difference in energy and intensity um, you know, the fans, everything. So I definitely enjoyed it all, embraced it, uh, took it all in, and next year looking for a much better result. Yeah, sadly the result wasn't what uh, the Eskimos were looking for. Let's uh, let's talk more about Saturday's game than, than going back to Labor Day, a game where you guys obviously came out and played a lot better than you did the week earlier. What was different for the Eskimos on Saturday compared to a week ago? Well, I thought we played with uh, good energy, uh, consistent energy, which I think is what it takes in a big rival rival game like that. You know, you have high emotions and just sustaining that focused emotion through the whole game. So I thought we did a better job of that. Um, but we just made too many too many errors defensively and, you know, just collectively. We didn't do enough to win, and they played better than us. Uh, defensively, uh, talk about not being able to hang on to that lead. Up 17-3 at the half. Calgary obviously regrouped quite a bit going into the second half of play. What did they do differently in the second half that made them successful? Uh, they made some slight adjustments, but nothing huge. Calgary's going to play their game. They're going to run their stuff. Uh, the good thing about them is, you know, they rarely beat themselves. Uh, they're not going to make too many mistakes that hurt them as a team. And defensively, you know, we have some blown coverages and you know, some big plays. And as a defense, that's kind of the motto. You, you want to make the offense earn everything, and we let them get some big chunk plays and penalties, all those type of things we did to hurt ourselves. And when you're playing a good team like Calgary, you can't do that. Probably what really stands out is uh, not just maybe so much on Saturday, but in other games this year too. You guys have had a tough time getting off the field in those second and extra plays. A couple of times, second and 12, second and 15, Stampeders made plays to stay on the field and keep moving the ball. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You hit it right on the head. When you get a second and long situation, you know, as a defense, that's what we preach and want every single week. We want to put the offense in second and long um, because obviously the advantage is supposed to be for us. But, you know, we'll go back in the lab, we'll clean it up, and we'll do a better job on second and long. Uh, how's it been for you with the Eskimos? Uh, you joined them midseason. Uh, you played a couple of years in Ottawa. How much uh, of a change is it in, in the day-to-day operations coming from one team to another? Um, there's, a, there's a little adjustment period. But uh, obviously, you know, these coaches here have done a great job. They've won in many capacities in other places. And, you know, our weekly routine is a good routine. You know, everyone on the team feels super prepared for the game. Uh, our game plans are always what we need them to be. Um, you know, the beautiful thing about football is it just comes down to execution. You know, you prepare, prepare, prepare. But when you get onto the field, you got to execute. And really that's the next step that we have to take as a team is just consistently execute. Uh, two games in six days. How's the body feeling? Now, obviously, you guys get a couple of days off right now to rest and, and re- recuperate a little bit, but how's the body feeling? It feels a lot better today than it did yesterday. Yesterday was uh, cussing me out in three different languages. So <laughs> uh, today it feels a lot better. I was able to get some treatment and move around a little bit. So, you know, that's kind of the name of the game. This is, you know, towards the end of the season, and, you know, it's all that good stuff creeps in. Are you an ice tub guy? Oh, of course. Of course. I'm I'm whatever's necessary. Ice tub, stretch, uh, you know, as a DB, we got to run all day, every day. So got to do whatever I need to do to make sure these legs ready to run. <laughs> how, how does your body feel now compared to the last couple of seasons? You, of course, you know, didn't start to play. You didn't have a training camp this year. You didn't have uh, uh, the first part of the season to play, and you joined the Eskimos midseason. So do you feel a little bit more fresher now than you than you have the last couple of years at this time? Weirdly, I'd say it's just the opposite. Um, I feel like I'm probably more sore and, you know, more of those things now than I was the last couple of years just because I always say, you know, you have to get in football shape. Your body gets used to taking hits and bouncing back and recovering. Your body gets used to the tempo and the pace of professional football, and there's really no way to simulate that. Mm-hmm. So I would say this year I'm a little more sore, um, but each week I feel better, and I know that's because my body's just getting used to football again. Interesting. Uh, were, were the last two games against the Stampeders, were they as physical as people think they are? Oh, of course, of course. Like I said, high energy, high intensity, um, and that always brings uh, a lot more big hits, you know, chippiness after plays, all that good stuff. Everything you'd expect in a great rivalry. Uh, you had six tackles on uh, the game on Saturday. It was your season high. You got 14 in the four games you've played. Do you feel you're getting to the point now where you can start to, to take off? As you talked about with your body getting used to things again, do you, do you feel that you're, you're to the point where things are going to start to improve? Well, yeah, every week I, I try to challenge myself and push myself to make sure I play a little bit better. And uh, as the weeks continue, th- this week will be no different. I'm going to try to make sure I continue my preparation so I can help my team in whatever way I can. Five and six going into this week's game against the Saskatchewan Roughriders. Uh, give me your thoughts on, on where the Eskimos sit right now, how they're playing, and, and a pretty big challenge lies ahead. You're not in a playoff spot right now. You've got to help yourself, though, and, and get some wins. Give me your thoughts on, on where you sit right now. Well, I mean, as a team, obviously, you know, five and six isn't ideal. It's not where we want it to be. But at the end of the day, we still have everything we want in front of us. And that's all you can ask in pro football this time of the year. 
every opportunity that, you know, our goals as a team that we're striving for, it's all in front of us. So, really, we just got to take it week to week, really practice by practice, day to day, and uh, make sure we're the arrow's going up, as Coach would say, and we got to capitalize. Got to go out there and we got to put together good games. All right. If you head to uh, Brandon Thompson, uh, who joins us now, Brandon Thompson, the defensive back with the Eskimos, if you go to uh, your uh, your Twitter handle, uh, we see you plugging True Grit Sports. Tell me about True Grit Sports. What is it? Absolutely, man. I'm happy you asked me about that. Um, basically, it's a training company based out of my hometown in Sacramento, California. And uh, we've probably been around for close to 10 years. And really, we just help kids from, you know, eight years old and up all the way through college, and we just try to help them be the best athletes that they can. I've uh, been fortunate enough to help quite a few kids actually get college scholarships. So it's kind of my it's my half-season job. You know, when I'm not playing football, I'm doing that, and I enjoy it. It's very fulfilling, um, and I love it. Obviously, you want to play for a few more years, but that's something you want to do when, when the football career comes to an end? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I who knows? Who knows what five years brings from now? I, I've learned to take it year to year. Um, but as it stands now, man, there's it's a good life being able to play football half the year and, you know, train kids the other half of the year. So, you know, definitely blessed and no complaints. Sounds like obviously it's a rewarding job for you. Definitely, definitely, man. It's a, it's a good feeling just like it is on the football field when you make a play, when you help another person take the next step in, you know, whatever their athletic goals are. It's a good feeling. Eskimos heading to Regina to play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Sunday afternoon. We're talking with Eskimos defensive back Brandon Thompson on the Eskimo Show. Uh, Brandon, it's the final trip for the Eskimos to uh, Mosaic Stadium, formerly called Taylor Field. Uh, you've played there a couple of times. Do you have any memories, and what are your thoughts about playing in that stadium? Well, I'm hoping uh, both games I've played in that stadium, I'm pretty sure both of them have been overtime games hmm. or maybe down to the last minute, so... You know, they've both been exciting games for me and my experience in there. So, uh, you know, I came out on top one time. I think I lost the first time I was there. So, you know, if it comes down to another thriller, I just hope we, get, we stay on top. <laughs> we get the win. So. Were you with the Red Blacks in year one when they played a – didn't they play a preseason game there? True, true. I played there three times. You're right. My very first CFL action was at Mosaic Stadium. You're right. My right. very first year with the Red Blacks. First time playing in Canada was at Mosaic Stadium. Had you, uh, I, I guess the good news on that one, you got to sit on the home side of the field. Uh, the fans on the visitor side are supposed to be, as legend has it, just vicious with the visiting players. Do you have any good stories that you can remember people yelling at you? Ah, man. I'd love to give you one. I can't think of anything crazy off the top of my head, just the usual heckling. You know, fans are always, you could be riding a bike to warm up and you hear the fans behind you screaming your number or your name, trying to get your attention. Um, and at the end of the day, you enjoy it, man. It's just a part of the, the atmosphere and everything that comes with it. All right, let's talk about the Riders. Uh, as, as you go into this football game, they're 1-10, but it just seems that they're getting better and, and the games they're playing over the last few weeks, the scores are getting closer and closer. Absolutely. Um, in pro football, there's not much difference between the last place team and the first place team. You know, records will have people talking certain ways, but if you watch the film and turn on the tape, uh, they're a very good football team. And we're going to have to play a very good game to, to get a win this week. Brandon Thompson, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, get some rest, and we'll uh, see you on the practice field later this week. 
Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, Eskimos will try and get it back on track on uh, Sunday afternoon. They've lost two straight to the Calgary Stampeders. On Sunday, they'll play in Regina against the Saskatchewan Roughriders. The final trip to Taylor Field, now Mosaic Stadium. I went back, I got a hold of Eskimo legend Dave Cutler, and I wanted to talk to him about his Taylor Field Mosaic Stadium memories. Dave joins us now. Dave, what does Taylor Field mean to you? You know, it's a really interesting place because, uh, number one, it's it's almost the uh, melting pot for uh, Saskatchewan because it doesn't matter whether you're a rich farmer or just somebody that's working in in, in an office somewhere in um, Saskatchewan. The that's where everybody meets, and they all have the 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 book they're reading out of that's uh, almost a religion. There is the is the uh, a program that comes out at the first of the game because uh, everybody there is a rider and um so my first my first recollections of of that place was number 1 was that the uh, the field was always rough it was almost like um they grew wheat there sometime during the season and cut it off and then then put lines on it and away they went but in the second year uh, Don Truel uh, came to Edmonton, and he had been ho- holding for George Blanda. So he he was a great holder. So anyway, we we tried field goal there, and we tried from uh, 59 yards, and it's good. And so this is in the second half, and um, so I'm coming off the field, and I'm going, holy mackerel! You know, I just suddenly realized what I'd just done, and. Um, so I got to the bench, and at that time, the bench was actually a dugout. Uh, it was a dugout like uh, a baseball dugout. And so I got just to the edge of the dugout, and there was this. And there's also a fence that goes around the whole stadium. It's uh, it's four by fours, and then it's got chain link on it. And there's this lady leaning over the uh, the fence. She got the national drink of Saskatchewan there, and. She looks at me and she says, "No damn wonder all you do is kick." And so that was the end of that time. You know, it was the end of a great. You know, I'm going. Yeah, that's great. Okay, now it's not so great. Yeah, the the fans are such a big part of it, and and they're close to you. And there's been lots of lots of stories over the years about the fans on that visitor side of the field. Oh God, I mean, uh, I don't think anybody's you know, from the stuff that used to uh, yell at us. I don't think anybody had a father on our team because <laughs> I mean, they invented there was words that they would go into the the only reason they went in the washroom was to get some more words off the wall that they could yell at us <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about the wind was it as windy and was it as difficult to kick there as legend tells us yeah it was um, when the wind was with you it, it helped you when the wind was like when it was going from uh, goalpost to goalpost uh, like north to south or east to west, uh, straight down the field, it was it, it helped. But when it was uh, not that way, it was brutal. I mean, we we were. Um, um, I think it was in 1977. We were uh, um, we were 11 and 0, and we were you know it was the best record ever in the CFL. And so we it came down to the end of the game, and uh, I had to kick one from 32, and the, we had about a 25, 30 mile an hour crosswind. And the trick is, is to know when the ball's going to start to break, 
and um, so that's um, I mean there's a lot of mechanics that go into this but so Wilkie and I had a deal is that he would always tell me what he thought and then um, he would and then I would uh, just we wouldn't talk about it he would just give input and then I would uh, compute it, and then we would see what was going to go on. And so this this particular kick, it was we had this uh, huge crosswind, and Wilkie he just said uh, four feet left outside, and um, so I decided that I thought that I could power it, and I so I aimed at the left post, and the ball walked all the way across the goalpost, and then uh, Macaridi got it in the end zone, kicked it out, and then we kicked it back in, and then. Uh, uh, they kicked and then they kicked it back out again. And on that play, Macaridi got his leg broken and never kicked again. And uh, but the, the wind uh, absolutely blew that thing apart for us. Mm-hmm. It was it was uh, it's a, it's a harsh wind. And I mean, when it comes up, I mean, there's if you're you're not careful, there's the odd tractor blowing with it too. So it's <laughs> is there one particular memory, one particular game, one particular kick that comes back to you? About Taylor Field. And then uh, we were um, we were doing. It was the end of the first half, and this was Huey's first year. And uh, you know we had things really rolling uh, team-wise and kicking-wise. And so he sent me out to kick a field goal from the our own 39-yard line. And uh, so that was 71-yard field goal. <laughs> and and it was right at the end of the first half. And the uh, so it's, and Bill Baker was a you know he and I were uh, good pals and he's yelling at me from the other side you know you make this I'm going to rip your head off you know I mean it's just all stuff he's he's playing with so we kick this thing and I get just a tad under it the, the rotation was just a little bit too uh, too fast and everybody turned and watched the kick I swear to God nobody was covering. They weren't doing anything. Everybody just watched, and it came. And Bill Baker was standing right beside me. You know, like that's where he ends up on the rush. And the ball came down, and it hit the crossbar, and came out. And he said, "You lucky so and so," and he had some expletives for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they call him the Undertaker, right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, what's your thoughts? You know, there's so many great old buildings in sports, whether it be football or hockey or baseball or whatever. Uh, it's almost it's great that you know teams expand and can move into these new luxurious uh, palaces to play in but it, it's kind of sad to see the old ladies go isn't it i agree i agree because uh, I, I the first thing that comes to my mind is the montreal forum and i mean they they were selling seats out of that place and i mean they made a fortune on people just buying seats I mean, uh, it was amazing but i think what happens is that uh, those 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 things happen for uh, you know people go to those places for a long time and that long time represents a big time in their lives and so if somebody started going there when they were a kid with their dad and now they're taking their kids or they're taking their grandkids it's uh, it's just a very very special place and uh, I think that that's uh, the way people would think with. Um, with Taylor Field because uh, it was an icon. And, I mean, out of that place was spawned probably um, probably the best franchise in terms of people uh, being part of the franchise. I mean, you can't go anywhere 
a cruise ship anywhere where somebody is not wearing a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, you know, hat or uh, jersey or something like that. That's Canadian Football Hall of Famer Dave Cutler and his memories on Mosaic Stadium. Of course, Taylor Field, when he played, uh, the Eskimos go there Sunday. They'll play their final game in the old barn, and that'll go Sunday, 2.30, 1 o'clock for the pregame show here on 6.30. That's the Eskimos show for the night. Thanks for Matt running things on the other side of the glass. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you later.